0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven
1: Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello everybody, this is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is the last day of March. I can't even believe how quickly this year is already flying by. It is the last day of Women's History Month, and don't make this the last day that you would actually look up somebody in history, a woman that has made a difference in the world. There are so many amazing stories out there, probably in your community, um, possibly within your family, or you know your tight-knit group. So, I mean, just keep your ears open, keep hearing for those great stories, keep reading for, and looking for those great stories. It's also the International Transgender Day of Visibility. Um, and so if you don't quite understand what transgender is or the, the letters LGBTQ, there's some very reliable resources online. Please look those up um, because, you know, everybody wants to be who they are and they want to be seen and loved for who they are. So, you know, I'm gonna say you know, 100% support that. Um, and uh, it's also Starbucks Day, which I don't understand quite why because the actual Starbucks opened the first time in September um, many, many years ago. Um, but I could be wrong about that. But it is Eiffel Tower Day, which was the first day way back when in the, what, 1800s, um, late 1800s, that the Eiffel Tower opened for the very first time, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'll just throwing it out there for you. Um, but as we're talking about great women, and all these wonderful things. I also have a fabulous author I wanted to introduce you to, and she may not be new to you because she's got a ton of books out, but I'm super excited to talk to Anne Aguirre. Um, She has an amazing portfolio of books, but she's also a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author. She's been a clown, a cleric, a savior of stray kittens, and a voice actress, not necessarily in that order, and I will say on good authority that she is a Godzilla fan and also loves Wiener Dogs, so we'll get to that in a minute. She grew up in the Yellow House across from Cornfield, but now she lives in Mexico with her family. She writes all kinds of genre fiction, but she has eternal soft spot for happily ever after. Her upcoming release... Boss Witch, which is the second of three in the Fix It Witches series, is with Sourcebooks. Will be out April 5th, April 5th, and you can find Anne on her website. You we can sign up for her newsletter, and you can keep up with her latest shenanigans on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads, and Tumblr. Welcome to the show, Anne. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well, Patricia. How are you? I'm good. So I was looking through all of your books, and I'm so excited because, you know, uh, the first book of this series was Witch, Please, which really caught my attention because I thought, what a clever title. And now you've come up with Boss Witch, which comes out next week. And then you've got, you know, a wealth of other books. You've got fantasy. You've got contemporary romance. You've got young adult. Um, You know, one of the things I love to ask authors is how do they keep the different – you know, um, worlds in, in order, like, you know, in book four, someone's eyes are still the same color as they were in book one. How do you keep all that, um, organized? Well, um, when I was younger,
0: I was really good at just keeping it all in my head. Um, now that I'm a little older, uh, my memory, frankly, is not quite as sharp. So, um, When, I, when I'm doing an indie book, I have someone whose job it is to literally comb through the material and make sure everything is the same. Um, I, right. I guess you would call her she, – she is a proofreader, but she is also a continuity editor. Um, okay. and She monitors the timelines. She monitors all the character details. She makes sure that all the names are spelled the same and that all the physical descriptions line up, and then, sure. like I don't I don't declare something in book one and then suddenly change it in book six. Uh, mm-hmm. Lily is a godsend, and she did an amazing job with the continuity on my R's Numinousia series, which is paranormal romance about shifters in an alternate universe um, facing a devastating war.
1: Right. right. Um In
0: terms of my books that are with publishers, like Source Books, um, they have people in house that do the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, it's a project manager and copy editor and proofreader in conjunction. I have multiple people who will be reading it and will make note of any inconsistencies or issues in the timeline. Um, mm-hmm. The only difference is when, I, when it's my project, I am where the buck stops, so I have to find someone to take care of it. When I have a publisher, they take care of it and make sure everything lines up. Right. I do my best. Do you... I do my best, and, like, I will sometimes check details as I'm writing. Um, I'll open up an old manuscript if I'm in book three, say, and I can't remember a detail from book one. And then I'll do a uh-huh. search on the file and be like, "Okay, yeah, that's what I said about her mother, even though she hasn't appeared in the in the <laughs> series yet. Um, you know she's retired and she lives in Panama, or whatever okay.
1: the, the fact might be.: Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people that they they say well authors will remember you know what they wrote and they remember all their characters. It's like look, sometimes I call my kids my dog's name. so you know it's sometimes it's just not <laughs> possible to keep it all straight. Um, and and we'd maybe like to, other we'd like maybe to other it. authors yeah.
0: maybe <laughs> other authors can do that. But at this mm-hmm. point in my career, I've written something like fifty-five books. So if you if you asked me like some random detail, yes, you wrote um, the Dread Chronicles in 2009. In chapter 14, um, what <laughs> happened to this particular character? Honestly, I would I would shrug and go, like you have read it since I have read it. You would know about that better than I would know about that because I wrote the book. And and then once I finish something and it's out and it's in the hands of readers, like I kind of just let it drift out of my mind yeah. and I focus on what I'm working on now. So I am definitely not someone who has like a mental hard drive just completely full of everything. Um, I, yeah. I think it's natural. I think this is actually how brains work that you let go of some information as you retain other information. Like, I don't think it's possible. There is, like, a a memory. I don't want to call it disorder, but it is kind of painful, actually, where the brain cannot forget anything, and everything is retained perfectly, and it's actually kind of tormenting to experience. Yeah, I've heard about this, yes. I can't remember what it's called, but... Basically, like, even painful memories don't fade. Like, everything is uncomfortably bright and fresh. And actually, I think it sounds really difficult. So I think it's normal that you gradually lose familiarity with certain things as you're learning new things and focusing on new projects.
1: I think it's also interesting, too, how we do keep... Certain memories in there for no reason at, at all, like um i don't know if you've seen the movie Inside Out where they keep uh, the memories keep sending up the jingle for this gum commercial, and so it and it's like i can't remember where I put my shoes, but I remember this stupid gum commercial jingle from you know twenty years ago um, and it's it's really interesting what pockets and what sticks in the brain um so yeah it's it, who knows. I I know there's people that that that's all they do is research and memory. Um, So thank you for that because uh, I will definitely be needing your services probably sooner than I'd like. Um. (laughs) So tell me about this series. This is the second of three books. You've got um, Witch Please that came out last fall, and now you have Boss Witch that comes out next week. So tell me about this series. Um,
0: the nutshell pitch, like what it's about kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was, it was sold as, um, practical magic meets the Gilmore girls. Okay. And, um, I think really what's at the base is the bonds of friendship and found family is always a big part of my stories the witches in the book generally have a complicated relationship with their family for a variety of reasons. And sure. so the coven has kind of come to replace that that support system for them. They have each other when their biological relatives have let them down. Um, there's also... Some world building stuff About why they have to live in hiding And I did tie it into Real world history About witch hunts and purges And and the like Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's generally though A very light and frothy um, Series They are romance novels So you're guaranteed a happy ending But the characters will go through Some intense emotions Before they get there they are still comfort reads. There's nothing so traumatic that anyone would pick it up and be like, "Oh my gosh, I was in a bad mood, and now this book made it worse." <laughs> they're 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 meant to be very warm, cuddly, like hot tea on a chilly rainy day type reads.
1: Oh wow! Um, yeah,
0: they're very cute. Uh, I did put a fair amount of thought into the magic system. Um, because I do come from a speculative fiction background, but I tend to world build in a very tip of the iceberg sort of way. Like I may have a lot of material that I have come up with and written down, but it may not all necessarily get revealed to the reader because you only see what you need to see to make the world make sense. So what I know may not be what the reader knows, um, they're a lot of fun. I, I think readers are enjoying them, which makes me happy. And of course, the books are just beautiful. The covers are adorable.
1: They really are, you know. And, and if you guys look, there's so many cute covers now with the drawings on the front. You know, the really beautiful uh, colors in the back, and then the drawings in the front. Uh, and they're just fun and and flirty, and just you know, the book that you absolutely want to pick up and take home for sure. Were you excited when I, you saw those covers for the first time?
0: Yeah, I definitely was. Um, I believe that the, the trend for the illustrated covers began because of the difficulty in scheduling photo shoots mm-hmm. um, due to the pandemic. But I actually right. am on, on board with the trend because I think the covers are just beautiful. And they are, as you mentioned, just really cute and fun and flirty and um, you get a lot more diversity based on the illustrations Mm -hmm. because um, I suppose an artist can draw exactly what you tell them to draw, whereas it might be difficult to find precisely the right model, the one that exactly matches what the author has in mind. Um, I think publishers do as good a job as as they can in that regard, but um with illustrations, you can make it line up exactly if you have the time and the
1: the resources to do that with the artist oh yeah, for sure i mean it it's i i didn't even think about it that way, but yeah, that's true. you can definitely get closer to what the author might be thinking about when they're picturing these characters. Because, I mean, a lot of people think that, um, and I've mentioned it before on the show, uh, in past shows, that a lot of people think that authors have all the say in their book covers. And for the big publishers, you really don't. I mean, you can fill out what's a, a, it's a fact sheet about your book. You get, it gives to the graphic designers, and then they take it from there. And there's no way they can read all the books that they have to design. And so they have to trust the information that you give them and you have to work back you work back and forth but some they just say here's your book cover there you go Sometimes, so and there's yeah, not much you're, say in you're it.
0: right i have i have had publishers that didn't even ask for a fact sheet. they didn't mm-hmm. ask me for input they didn't talk about the concept with me they just gave me a book cover and if i liked it that was great for me and if i didn't like it how
1: unfortunate but that's still your book cover <laughs> Right, that's your book cover, so, you know, suck it. I mean, yeah, it was. And um, it's it's frustrating because you pour your guts into the story, each and every one. And then you see your book cover, and you're like, no, you know, it's like, that's not my story. That is not not the
0: case at all with source books. They are extremely collaborative, and they treat me very much like a partner. And I have been delighted with all three of my covers. I don't know if you've seen the cover. It was revealed recently for Extra Winchy.
1: Mm-hmm. That one is yes. super cute as well. And beautiful. It's just so vivid. And it's got the roses on it and the red hair. Um, yeah. They just really tied it in beautifully. And then, of course, the, um, the font is the same on all three, which is, which is cool. You've got that swishy W there. Um, and I And so that's that. a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sparklies that go across the book. So that's fun. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, growing up, I always loved my, one of my very favorite shows was Bewitched. And so when I saw these books, I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) I'm so excited.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, Um, actually, I loved that show, too. Um, mm -hmm. I watched it on, in reruns. I -hmm. wasn't old enough to watch it when it was initially airing, but I did catch it in reruns. Um, Right. But... I don't talk of show because I am afraid most moderators would be like, what? I don't, I'm not familiar with that. I'm going to have to get on the, on the internet and, and, and Google that reference because like, I don't really understand it.
1: So yeah, like I'll I mention,
0: I'll mention charmed. Um, I'll mention yeah. the movie practical magic, but I don't really talk about bewitched because right. um, I just, I'm afraid that it's,
1: So uh, old school that young readers just won't get it. Well, and it's sad because, you know, some people might go, oh, Bewitch that movie that Nicole Kidman did, who was in Practical Magic. Um, It was terrible. It's like, yes, but that was based on a TV show. So, yeah, it's, it's too many layers of having to explain. But it's unfortunate because Elizabeth Montgomery was kind of a – well, she wasn't kind of. I mean, she was a hardcore trailblazer for sure. Um, and if anybody you know, has some time, they need to look her up because she, um, she was very subtly talking about the social issues at the time with that, with that show. Um, and I went, I'd watched it. You know, plenty of times, but I didn't really understand the small nuances they were putting in there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, they were just talking about all sorts of stuff, and nobody picked it up." Um, and one of my you know, one of my like,
0: favorite things that makes me laugh to this day about this show is the way they just switched out the husband. And yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're different that now. Was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was, it's the whole thing was just, it it was, there were so many things they covered, but yeah, the husbands, definitely. So for anyone who's too young to know what we're talking about, um, so Bewitched was on for what, seven, eight years, I think it was, 64 to, yeah, 64 to 70, 71, Um, and um, there, she, Samantha was the witch, and she was married to a guy named Darren, and about season four I guess about halfway through the actor who played um Darren was replaced because he was having all sorts of medical problems and so they just replaced him you know he was the same character he was just a different actor um so you know the first actor's a little bit taller than she is and second actor's like you know eight inches taller than she is all of a sudden he's really tall um But yeah, same problems in both ways. So yeah, it was it was a very it's on um, TV land I think. Um, But it's it's worth the watch because there's a lot of things she was talking about in the civil rights movement. Um, She was talking about a lot of stuff going on at that time. and uh, so, yeah, it was, it's very interesting. But I digress. I could talk a very long time about Bewitched. Um, but I'm super excited for the book. So is this going to be just a trilogy, or are there other characters you're thinking of writing of in the series?
0: To my knowledge about the witches in particular, it will probably mm-hmm. just be a trilogy unless okay. the books just really explode and start making sure. lists right and left. Sure. Um, that doesn't mean it's the end of of the books in that world, though. The next book after Extra Witchy, which comes out in October, the next book that I'm writing for Sourcebooks is um, tentatively entitled The Only Purple House in Town.
1: Okay. And
0: it will be set in St. Clair, which is the same town, and it will open up to a host of potential supernatural characters okay so it won't be about witches it'll be about another group of characters but it will still be set in St. Clair so it is possible that you could see cameos from the fix-it witches okay sure if the books end up taking off it is possible that I would write more but right now I think three is a good number
1: yeah I mean it's It's kind of an easy number for sure, but it's very interesting to see what um people respond to have Have there already been characters people have asked about that you haven't written? You haven't decided to write your um, stories yet or not?
0: Actually, everyone has was really excited for Leanne and Trevor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I got to write their story is tremendously exciting to me because Leanne is the type of a character who would have been written as a villainous or a femme fatale at a certain point in um, romance because she's, um, she's more focused on her career. She doesn't really value love or personal relationships. She's been married and divorced twice. She is sexually powerful, like she enjoys sex but she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily want the trappings that come with it, like emotional intimacy or to date someone for a long time. Sure. So the fact that I got to center her as a heroine in her own story was just absolutely thrilling to me
1: because I can
0: actually see the, pro- the progression of the, the genre since I've been reading and writing it. Um, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, there's absolutely no way that I would have been allowed to write this for a publisher Um,
1: like 10 years ago,
0: I probably could have written it indie and it would have done okay. But the fact that I can write this for a publisher is just so exciting. And then as regards Trevor, he's a beta male. Like he basically wants to be a homemaker and like he does freelance stuff as well at home. Um, Yeah. But, but his, big dream is like to be needed by someone to feel wanted and loved, which is um, kind of a role reversal. And I I did kind of want to break down gender roles, like the idea that there are any, like people should just live, however makes them happy. So I'm just really stoked that I got to write this and I hope the book does well, because if books like this do well, it will kind of, it will help. Push the, the the lines a little bit.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, so if you had to cast Danica, Clementine, and Leanne in a series, who would you want to play those parts?
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Um, I know, it's not very fair. <laughs>
0: honestly, I have no idea. And yeah. I probably wouldn't pick um, famous actors. Or actresses oh, yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So I would need to take time to look at um, to look at headshots and and that kind of thing. So sure. like this is really not something that I could do off the off the top of my head. It's not like I'm going to say, well, definitely Scarlett Johansson or something like that because right, I just I just don't I don't tend to picture famous people. My characters are my characters. So then, um, and just in the general sense, I would most likely not be in charge of casting anyway. (laughs) Someone else would be the casting director, (laughs) so they would pick who they're going to pick, and I would have pretty pretty much no say in it anyway. So I'm going to have to pass on this question. I I really don't (laughs) have anybody in mind in particular, although I do welcome readers to post their pics, like, I think that's really fun to see how readers picture the characters.
1: Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. You know, it's it's interesting because um, with streaming services now, and you can see these limited series coming out, you can see, like Bridgerton is one of them, um, where you can, you know, you couldn't really cram book one into two-hour movie. Um, Like, they used to do the miniseries back in the 80s, um, late 70s, early 80s, and it would be, what, four nights, two, three hours. You'd sit, we'd sit there and watch it. Um, now you have the streaming services that are doing something very similar. And so I see that the, the format is there now to be able to tell a story like it should be told. Um, because really, sometimes you can't cram you know, a book in two hours. It's just not how it's done. So, but right. I could see this being a series. Um, because it's just fun, it's very visual, it's, and there's so much going on, um, but, the, but at the core of it, it's about, you know, finding that family, and, and um, finding where you belong, and there was a great line in um, Ted Lasso, the Christmas special they had this last year, and it said to our families, the ones we came from, and the ones we found along the way, you know, um, and I thought that was a great thing to say, because we do. We form our families as we go along in our lives. Um, and so these books, I could see it, something like that happening. So if they do, just let me know so I can, like, broadcast it all over the airwaves and tell them, you know, I knew this would happen.
0: <laughs> I would definitely, definitely welcome a show being developed for streaming. I do think mm-hmm. it could probably potentially be really good. And the magic um, does kind of amp up in Boss Witch. It was a little mm-hmm. more low key in um, in Witch Please, but in Boss right. Witch, since she's going up against the Witch Hunter, she does have to use it quite a lot more. So there are a lot more scenes that are really cool, and I continued that for very, for a variety of reasons in extra witchy. So. The people who enjoyed the spells being cast and the descriptions of magic, like there is more of that in books two and three. Yeah, And I think it would probably translate really well to the screen.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. So you've got, you've got these and you've got other books that are in paranormal and you've got some young adults, but I'm going to switch gears a little bit here. And I have to ask you, as I've been coming through your Instagram as I was getting ready for your, your our talk today, where did you get this Godzilla art thing? Because there's so, if you guys go to her Instagram, it's Anne underscore Aguirre underscore author. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Aguera. Aguera. Um, no, it's Aguirre. Aguirre, thank you. You said thank it correctly you. when you introduced me. It's Aguirre. Aguirre. I have it written phonetically right here, and it just kind of, I just glazed over it, didn't see it. So, and I will, I've got the link in the write-up of the show, but this Instagram post is this, um, Starry Night with Godzilla, this is epic. Where did you get this? <laughs> oh, that
0: is so funny. No one has ever asked me about that. Actually, I mean, not that I don't like Godzilla, because I do, but my son is actually the one who is the super fan. Um, mm-hmm. When he was a little guy, we watched all of the, the really um, old ones, like from the 60s. Yeah. We watched all of them. I had all of the... Uh, I guess you would say I had all the movies on on, um, VHS. I ordered them special when he was like four, I think. It was just before we upgraded from VCRs. So we had all of these old Godzilla movies that we watched when he was like four and five. And I guess it just imprinted on him because he's still a huge kaiju fan to this Mm -hmm. day. Like he loved Pac-Brim as well. He's watched all of the Godzilla movies multiple times, even the new ones. Right. Um, So when I was looking for a a unique gift for him, um, there's a service here in Mexico, which is quite similar to eBay. It's called Mercado Libre. And um, I found it on there. I was looking for, like, Godzilla-related products. I was actually looking for something imported from Japan which I might fi- which I thought I might find at a small vendor from okay. um, Mercado Libre. Dead. I found this amazing painting of Godzilla done in the in the style of Starry Night, and I was like, Oh my God, that will make an amazing birthday present for him.
1: I'm telling you, so this I'm, is un- this is epic. I'm going to have to probably get this for my brothers um, because we just absolutely we must have watched. Every single Godzilla movie growing up. I mean, it was just it was just one of those things. And of course, when Godzilla vs. King Kong came out recently, we were. I mean, my I took our whole family went to the drive-in because we had we have a drive-in close by, and I was like, we oh, absolutely that's so have to cool. go. Yeah, yeah. It's, that is it was is so It was a cool. perfect night too. Yeah, and I mean, it didn't really matter. One of one of the one of the, um, one of the um, reviews are this was a great movie if only people had not been in it because they ruined the movie. <laughs> We just needed Godzilla and King Kong. That's all we needed. um but it was i remember the, some rev-
0: I remember reading a review. I don't <laughs> think it was for Godzilla and Kong. It may have been for the one before, but basically mm-hmm. the reviewer was complaining about how bad the the stories were about the humans and I was like, "Who goes to a Godzilla movie and cares about the humans? They'll right. the be stepped at that on now? or eaten." Like, why would yeah. I care about the human stories? They're, they're there to, like, run and yell and get stepped on and eaten. It's a Godzilla movie. Yeah, that's you it. You obviously I'm just telling do me not understand the, the premise of a Godzilla movie if you're complaining that the human stories were not interesting. Like, right. you shouldn't be reviewing this movie. You have already failed the concept.
1: That's right. We, we will not be assigning you this, this movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got to do a, an article about right before it came out, King Kong versus Godzilla, the newest one, and it talked about how they had all these different um, ideas for uh, movies and, and how it came about to be Godzilla, and then of course the suits that they were in, and they had to like figure out how they were going to fight each other, and um, it was just it was just epic. It was so good and so funny, and um, to read about all this and these hot suits and these. And it's funny because as you as you watch it, I'm sure you've seen it. We would laugh like, "Oh, and there's the zipper, you know, like the suit's falling apart." You know, it's it was just it got to the point we were like, "Look, this is probably our last one, so you know, budget's slim, um, so we'll just we'll just go with this suit that's falling apart." So it was awesome. So yeah, oh yeah, I'm so I'm looking this up. So thank you for pointing me in that direction because um, I think I just found gifts for my brothers for Christmas. This is great. <laughs> And you also have, um, I see that you also love to bake but you and cook, but you also have some very cute four-legged animals on your Instagram. She has very cute wiener dogs and cats. And, so, and then, of course, postings about her books. so you should look at those on Instagram. Very fun. Um, and I have links of that in the write-up of the show for sure. So now you've got witchy um, coming out, extra witchy coming out later this year. And then you're talking about the the house, a tentative title house. The only purple house in town. Is that like? Do you have a certain amount of books for that series? Is it just one book? And see how it does. I mean, how do you do? What do you have coming up in 20 later 2022 into 23?
0: Um, in the only purple house in town is scheduled for probably summer of 2023. And it is a standalone, but it is set in the world of things. And if it does well, there will probably be more books in that vein. Um, okay. Basically, the setup for that particular story is um, Iris Collins is a, a perpetual failure to not pull the punches. Her family is extremely high-achieving, and she is the one who can just never get her life together. She's constantly failing at whatever endeavor she tries. She's always in debt. She just does not have her ducks in a row. And she ends up inheriting a house from her great aunt who also marched to the beat of a different drummer. Mm -hmm. And it's an old ramshackle Victorian peeling lilac paint, um, she tries to turn it into a bed and breakfast, but that's actually expensive, and she fails. So she ends up renting rooms to make ends meet, like a Victorian spinster.
1: And the okay. people who
0: come into her, the people who come into her life as roommates are exactly who she wants to meet. They're all um, kind of misfits and oddballs looking for their place in the world, and they all find their home under Iris's roof. Um, so it's a, very, it's a very sweet story. It's another found family. And then, of course, there will be paranormal elements, but I'm not ready to reveal exactly whether you're going to meet vampires or shifters or fae okay. or
1: psychics or all of the above. Okay. It could be fair all enough. of the above. It could be all of the above. That's fun. So a boarding house she's running? Basically, yes. Okay. Yeah, you know, those stories are fun. My, I had a a great was it great great grandmother who ran a boarding house in um, East Texas, and my dad talks about that all the time. And my grandmother says that she was horrified because my, her grandmother used to send my grandmother down the street to buy True Romance magazine um and she was just so was like oh my god it was awful it was insulting i had to go down there and buy them and i was just thinking man you know great great grandma had it down she knew what she was doing so she was she was having a good time running her own business in the early in the 20s so good for you grandma um so but yeah i i can't wait that just sounds like so much fun i can't imagine the um, shenanigans that will happen with all sorts of different kinds of paranormals living under the same roof.
0: I think it'll be super fun and I am excited.
1: <laughs> cool, cool.
0: Well, thank you
1: so much for talking to us today. I really appreciate you. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So everybody, we've been talking to Anne Aguirre. Um, she her newest book, Boss Witch, comes out next week. You can pre-order. Yes, I do have a link for that in the write-up of the show. I also have um, her Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads and Tumblr in there. And then also her website where you can sign up for her newsletter so you can find out what's going on. Um, and please come back and talk to us again.
0: Definitely, I'd love to.
1: Absolutely. Everybody, this has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. Keep on reading, everyone.
0: This show brought to you by Circle of Seven
1: Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.